With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into the Bird Inn. I'm Matt Buckman. And as always, I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's a, it's a Monday. I uh, just stopped, like literally just stopped working to open up the meeting for this. So, you know, I'm in the middle of transitioning from, from work, Joe, to Bear Den, Joe. So just bear with me, maybe. All right. So Bear with me. Get it? <laughs> yeah. It is a Monday, so we're, I'm I'm still a little bit slow. Monday afternoon, but we're uh, we're here. We got a big show today. We're talking about the Texas Longhorns. But I think did did you see the that Reddit college football CFB uh, post that I sent you? Well, basically what the post says is like, if you could replace any four people, like you had to, you had to cast game day, but it could only be from coaches and players from your school. Who would you pick? I was on mute. I didn't realize it. Yeah, I I saw you on mute, but I thought, okay, maybe you stepped away. So I'll just finish the prompt. And then you just, so I was like, I was like, well, I'm going to stop recording real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I was talking while I was on mute. I, I often mute myself to take a sip of water. So the, the listeners don't have to hear the ice jingling in my Yeti. Um, so I was talking on mute there. So that'll be an awkward beginning of the pod, but it is what it is. We don't professionally worry about this. It's the fun stuff that matters, Matt. Yes. Yes. But yes, to answer your question, you did yes indeed send me a Reddit post and I did read it and it says, you know, it's college game day, but the hosts are made of five players or coaches from your school, who are you picking? And based off of the response from the poster who is an Oklahoma State Cowboy, it's not current, it's all-time. Yes. All-time coaches. 
or players. So I mean, I, I'll I think start off. A, like I, a, we can kind of go one obvious, by one. In there's our an heads obvious here. first pick. I think think is an obvious one. Yeah, it's the easy one. You kind of have to do, but he's he's charismatic. He's good at it, and he, and of course you would want him on there. And it's RG three. Yeah. So I think I, I think you and it. I both agree that's one. Yes. And my so, two, I already know. All right, yeah, go for it. Um, my number two would absolutely be um Kindle Wright. Okay. So I was thinking coaches, and I thought there's one coach in Baylor's recent history who is great on TV. Okay. He's a current coach of another school. Uh, you're going to say Matt Rule? He's great. He's not a Baylor Bear, dude. No. He is. It says former coach or player. Yeah, but like you can't. I don't know. Like a guy that was like here for three years and bailed on. Like he's not Baylor. Like he just he he had to stop at Baylor in his career. I appreciate the things that he did here, but like okay. I don't look back and say like Matt Rule is a Baylor Bear. Okay. So if I'll you want to do a coach, the easy answer is Grant Taft. Because he's going to be your Lee Corso. True. Like, I had Grant Taff as my next one. That was going to be my third. So Grant Plus, Taff. he's like a, he's like, he does like those intro videos. And even though he's like super old, like he's still like the dude knows what he's talking. He, he, he says stuff that makes you want to run through a brick wall. And I wouldn't mind hearing Grant Taff talk about like the modern SEC. I think we need to have like Elliot Coffee because he also does TV. That's too easy. Coffee's too easy because he already has a show. Like, so, I mean, he's so does RG3. Very, yeah. He's very valid. He's a valid answer. And he's he's the right answer. But he's just not as fun to answer. We already took one of those in RG3. Okay. So, see, my, my thinking is, I'm thinking, okay, I know there's a lot of people, like, pretty much as we can attest to, everyone has a podcast. So everyone talks about it. Like, fair. That's like fair. Brass Petty has a podcast. He could be good on it he's he knows football of course i've got somebody for you that was my fourth that okay. i don't believe has a podcast i may okay. be wrong maybe he does it's laquan mcgowan he did, i don't think so yeah so like that dude tell me he he always looked happy and tell me you wouldn't want to see him on, on college game day i laquan mcgowan all day long so i was kind of thinking about game day and i was kind of thinking the, the guys that are on game day now you know you have reese you have uh, Herb Street, you have, I guess, Pat McAfee, Corso. So I was trying to gotta get that same dynamic as like, who's your straight man who's going to drive the ship? Like Reese Davis does. Mm, all right. Because you said you have like, you have like, Grant Taft's kind of your, your Corso character in that he's a uh, coach from the past, kind of an old yeah, RG3 is going to be like your Desmond Howard. RG3 is going to be like your Desmond Howard, like, but I don't I don't know if Baylor. I was trying to think who's like this, the Pat McAfee, energetic. That's what I'm thinking. Laquan person. McGowan. Could yes. Be. That's okay. that's that's what okay. I'm thinking. Yeah, they had both of them have like a history with the WWE. I think Laquan. I think tried out. Yeah, and they're both like uh, all respect to Laquan. I don't mean this in a negative way, but they both had like kind of gimmicky careers, right? Like, sure. I mean, McAfee's a legitimate like uber awesome punter but like he's turned the concept of being a punter into kind of like a meme yeah, and like Quan McGowan was kind of like a meme you know yeah. like this giant 400 pound tight end that all he does is catch touchdown passes those are facts 
Okay. So who's your like Herb Street archetype? Who's like, I guess you're like prototypical, like jock sports caster guy. All right. I'm going to go back. I had to pull him because I had his jersey because I bought it at Ross um, because it was like $10 at Ross. Um, and he was there when I was first at Baylor. And that is so. And I'm going to go with a quarterback here. Yeah. So I'm going none other than Blake Zemanski. Blake Zemanski. Okay. I, I truly did have his jersey while I was in college because I bought it at Ross. And I think it, it was either eight or ten dollars at Ross. What about Seth Russell? He's Seth's been... a good dude. He could do it for sure. Yeah, yeah he gets but it. But I wanted to go with more obscure names. So I that's so why you I didn't go the, with the uh, Kirby Freeman. Kirby Freeman, man. I have he a played I, one I, quarter at Baylor. Before one half, three t- one half. Orange three took over his freshman. He year. came in in the third quarter. I was at the game. I can, I'm one of the maybe ten thousand people who could say that they were there for that game. It was I that too was, was there very, for that game. Huh? I too was there for that game against Wake Forest. I was convinced Kirby Freeman was the truth. Me Transfer too. from Miami. He must be good because I knew I knew him who he was out of high school from like Brownwood. Well, yeah, and, and he got recruited by Miami. So in my mind, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, like a, a Miami quarterback, he's coming to Baylor. Oh, we're about to dominate. Yeah. And then RG3 did that little move on the sideline. That little was that the like go. stop? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So I, who are some honorable mentions that you could think of? Um, Jason Smith. Jason because, Smith. Like high draft pick, elite offensive lineman, but also like, 300 pound cowboy because if you remember the story about him was like he rode horses and roped yeah he was like a he was like a team roper i think so interesting dude right there i would take that all day long um danny watkins up there offensive lineman that also is like a used to be a life-saving firefighter before he played football very interesting i'm trying to think i want to say um siaki ika so he would be entertaining I'm trying to think. There was a player. I can't think of his name. He was a local guy. Jordan, no, not local, but he, Jordan Lake, played safety. Ah, uh, Jordan Lake. I remember Jordan Lake well. He's, he, if I remember right, he's kind, he was kind of a, if I'm not unique, mistaken, he's the one who person. picked off Casey Pahal yes. in the, in the 2011 TCU game that we, that we, that RG3, yes. it was like his coming out party. I think. I'm pretty sure Jordan Lake was the one that sealed that game with a pick. No, I don't think so. Who was that? Hold I think on. that was uh, Mike. He was from China Spring. Can't remember his name. Ugh. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Hold on. I've got. This is great. Uh. Uh, I'm reading like a breakdown. Of I got points it. is could Baylor it's <laughs> make Mike a bowl Hicks. game for two years in a row? Mike Hicks is the Mike Hicks. That's who it was. You're right. You are correct. He's the one that picked him off. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was at Baylor from 09 to 2013. So he replaced, but he, I mean, like Mike Hicks replaced Jordan Lake. Like he was the next up. Jordan Lake graduated in 09. Mike Hicks took over that job in 2009. So. Yeah, so those are some obscure people. I think Baylor's kind of 
doesn't have a now maybe this is just me being you know a little bit negative oh you know but, who honestly hold on somebody okay. I forgot Santana Dotson would be amazing oh yeah yeah you forget about some of those players like Santana Dotson there was also there was a uh, there was a defensive back who was very good on the mic but he was one of he's on those like um bad teams like right before Browse got hired mm. and I can't think of his name but you know they're very good like you know they're they're good in front of a camera they're good on the mic those are the type of people who, like if you ask them an opinion about college football they're going to talk and they're going to give you like it's just an entertaining answer man i've met santana dawson in person and i like and now the more i think about it like i would absolutely have him there yeah i mean there were some great characters like um that have been you know there were a lot of them were a lot of people were part of like those grant taft teams like in the 90s like you like absolutely would be i don't know if he'd go off the deep end too much but like singletary singletary would be good it's going to be very like straight up football talk yeah and a lot of like these kids today are are weak (laughs) i mean but he's good but he's like your old school football coach yeah for sure type of guy you have you know like He'd be your Lou Holtz. Yeah, and most of them, that's the thing. Most of them are going to be more older players who had very successful careers, like Gary Baxter had, you know, you know, great careers in the NFL. You know who'd but, be good is Eddie Lackey. Eddie Lackey would be good. I think Clay Fuller would be good. Oh, I think Clay Fuller would be good. You know, so Lake Sistrunk would be good. Lake would be electric because he yes. always was. Yes. I'll take, um, but to see if that's a more of like recency bias or like whenever, like I really got into like whenever this whole new, like Baylor Renaissance, you think of those players. Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I admit that like my fandom of Baylor started in 2006. So I don't have the, the vast knowledge of the, the old times that other people do of like Baylor in the Southwest conference. So like, like when I'm like, if somebody's like, name an obscure Baylor player that was good, I'd be like, uh, Dominic Ziegler, David Geddes. Like, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you could have like Gerard Douglas. <laughs> what was the name of the Falcons kicker that was a Baylor guy forever? Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think. What was his name? I remember, I remember thinking it was super cool when the Falcons were on Hard Knocks, and uh, his kids were wearing Baylor stuff. And I was like, oh, man, Matt Bryant. That's who it was. Matt Bryant. Yes. You have Jeff, you have Jeff Ireland. Yeah. But there anyway. was Baylor convo on the on Hard Knocks this year, by the way. That's a total segue. But they were talking about like how the Bears used to drink Dr. Pepper. No, oh, really? Hard Knocks. Yeah. This past year. Who was on Hard Knocks? It wasn't a bit. It was a it was a. Uh, I don't remember who it was. It was like a backup quarterback was going into a meeting and. Oh he was yeah, I remember about that. Where he went to school, and he was like, "Oh, my parents went to Baylor." Okay, yeah, my dad it's was Lions, right? Is a yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway, I think we've got we've got a good cast of characters. We got more than five, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. If there's anything that's consistent, is you and I aren't good at just like doing the task. Well, I think it's we we come up with like immediate answers and then get like like secondary answers and we could try to kind of like throw those in it's called like 
I listen to another podcast it's called like a smuggle. You know, we smuggle in more answers than the prompt uh, asked for. For sure. And since we were talking about hard knocks, uh, let's talk about Texas football. Do we have to? Because I don't I don't want to do this. I know, and it's not I don't want to do what I'm about to do. It's not gonna be fun. Um No, but... it's not it's not gonna be fun. I I know for there's a longhorn that listens to this podcast every week. Hi Pat. Um and he already knows what I'm gonna do today. And he doesn't he he doesn't even believe as much as I do. Um but hey Pat, I know you're listening. And uh All right. I'm about to do what I told you I was gonna do. So let's Matt, I will So uh, before let's kind of set the table. So the University of Texas, uh, they were eight and four, eight and eight and five if you count their bowl game loss. But they were eight and four last year. Um pretty much has a lot of their talent coming back. You have a returning quarterback, uh pretty much all of the offensive lines coming back, your best wide receivers coming back, a, a great portion of your defense is returning. And I mean, you are losing your, you did lose your best offensive player in B. John Robinson to the NFL. But on paper, the, the Longhorns do look like they're going to be a strong team. You know, everyone knows they have talent. Um, they know Sark has the, you know, experience in the SEC and the NFL, offensive mind, a good defensive coordinator. So everything looks like for the Longhorns, it, it should come up their way this year. So Dare what do you say Texas is back? Well, that's, that's, that's been like the joke or meme for the past. How, when was that? 2016 when they, they, uh, that Notre Dame game was. When, yeah. When they beat Notre Dame, when Joe tested Texas is back. And then you had your boy, uh, what the, on the quarterback on the stage after the Sam Ellinger. Sam the Ellinger Bowl. said they did beat we're Georgia. Back. Yes. This is uh, more than we could say for some teams in the in the Sugar Bowl, but they did beat Georgia. Um and you had the whole like we're back and narrator said uh they were not back. They were not back, Matt. Uh but they could be. I mean this year, like we just went I just went through like Everything on paper looks like they should be back. And I think, I don't know if we've talked about them at length, but there was, I think you and I both got the sense that there was a different vibe about them at media days compared to other teams. Yes. Um, They, they said all the right things. And I think the, the media themselves, you know, like they were buying into what they were putting out there as far as like, and you talked about it yourself. I think you talked with Drake and and we kind of talked about it. Like when Sark was given his, his like press conference answering questions, he said all the right things. You know, my problem is with Texas in the past is have a history of this like confidence starts to become arrogance. And that usually bites them in the in the butt at the end of the day. So if they can avoid that turn from going from being confident to to straight up like 
we're going to be like our typical arrogant selves, then they could be very successful this year. See, I didn't think they came off as like there was just I don't no, know, no, they did. It was the pure vibe of it. Seemed like they were there, like it was a business trip for them. Like they did not, like you know. I think we've talked about how it, it, it humanized. Like the experience was very humanizing for us, right? Like we got to see, like, oh yeah, these are just a lot of these are just kids, you know. Like, and this is an exciting thing. It's a fun thing for them. It's not. It's something that they may not have experienced before, and um, all of the Texas guys that were there, it was very much like they were prim proper focused like it was it wasn't a game to them it was like very much like hey we are we are here to accomplish something and this is they they didn't want to leave without taking the trophy with them like that i think that's how they feel about the big 12 and football is it's like all right if we're gonna leave this thing we're taking that trophy with us and all of the crap that they have talked since 2009 because that's the last time they won this thing you know all of that crap for the last 14 years suck it we're taking it with us. Yeah. And I, I, that's very much the vibe that I get from Texas. Yeah. And I, they didn't come off as that. The What I was I was trying to get, I was like, that confidence can very easily morph into arrogance. True. Very true. Um, so now, they I will can say stop about that their schedule, um, yeah. you and I have basically already done it. Uh, done a lot as, of it. Done a lot as we it. move through this. We've only got one, two, three, four, five games out of their 12 to actually pick. Everything else we have picked this year. Um, and you and I are almost the same on them. There is one difference though. So, um, I think, you know, you talked about it, like they've got, they're bringing back a quarterback. They're bringing back probably the best, if not the second best, um, wide receiver in the country. Uh, they did lose Bijan, but they still have a great running back room that the, the yeah. defense should be nasty. So they don't lack um, for talent ever. Correct. So, so let's dive in Matthew. Okay. And let's talk some Texas. Um, they will start off on a very hot 2.30 kick on Fox on September 2nd. So, I mean, you're, this is going to be a hot, hot game, but it, it might be a little cool for the team they're playing because they are playing against the Rice Owls at home in Austin, Texas at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. Um, Rice will be leaving Houston to go to Austin, so it might be like five degrees cooler. Who knows? Um but old Southwest Conference foes, Matt, these two teams have played each other a ton throughout history. Of course, much less since the Big 12 was formed back in, what, 1996. Um, but I'm sure they've still had plenty of non-cons since then. Matt, do the the smart kids down at Rice have what it takes to beat down on the also smart, but not maybe quite as smart kids in Austin? I think, well, I think Rice is going to be very improved. You know, I'm... I'm I'm high on rice as far as making a bowl game this year. They're just are going to be, there's going to be a talent mismatch that just can't be overcome. Uh, yeah, and 100%. so this isn't going to really even be a, a, a close game. It's a pure tune up game for Texas, which they will need Matthew. As we both pick Texas to start off one and oh, they'll need that tune up game because the very next week, seven days later, 6 PM. On Big Boy ESPN, the game of the week, maybe the game of the year for some folks, Texas heads to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to Bryant-Denny Stadium to face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide, a team that they lost to in Austin last year. But if we're being honest with ourselves, kind of got screwed out of that game. Um, there was some questionable, I won't even call them calls, I'll say like referee decisions in that game that really 
kept Texas from from winning it. Like I think I think if that game had been called perfectly and the refs had done everything the right way, um, and everything was reviewable, then I think Texas probably walks away with a win in that one last year. But I don't and think Quinn, that means that they were necessarily the better team than Alabama. Quinn Ewers got hurt. He got knocked out of that game also. So yeah, last year. So that was the game. But they had hurt. that 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 safety call. Um, that was you know, I want to say weird that was a, play in the end zone. That was a fine call. No, it wasn't. I have no problem with that call. <laughs> that was a terrible call. Um, but you know, Texas. I, I while I don't think they were as good as Alabama was last year, uh, Texas kind of showed that a big game came into Austin and they weren't they weren't scared of it. Um, and I think that's kind of the vibe that I get from them this year. And I do, I do think that if Texas had won that game last year, it might've, might've changed the way that they thought about themselves throughout the year. Who knows? Um, but I am going to take the Longhorns to avenge that loss from last year. I think this is going to be as much of a transition year as you possibly can get for a Nick Saban coach team. Um, but there's some unknowns around Alabama. We don't, I mean, the, they've got a new quarterback coming in. Yeah. I think Texas has got, they've got a lot of experience on defense. They've got a lot of experience on offense. I think this is going to be a confident team that wants to prove something. And I think Sark is saying all the right things and may finally be the guy for the job. I don't know. I may be completely wrong on this, but I'm taking Texas to win at Alabama. Okay. I'm going to go the opposite. All right. I think that last year's game, might as well have been a loss for Alabama and Nick Saban doesn't lose to his former assistants. And he's probably been thinking about that game all all Did year. Kirby Smart get that memo? Yeah. He's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that he's gonna have them his team up to play at home. It's probably going to be game day. I'm assuming game day is going to be there. Oh, it'll for sure be game day because it's it, it won't be the big noon. It won't because it's you know it's not big noon because it's a night game and it's on ESPN. So it will 100 percent zero doubt. There is nothing else that will make that game not game day. So, but I'm going to go with Alabama win. I think Alabama is going to beat Texas, and they're like by a few touchdowns. All right, I'm taking Texas to win. You got Bama to win, so we've got our first break. I've got a 2-0 and Texas. You've got a 1-1 and Texas. So they get to take a bit of a breather, Matt. Head back home to Austin. Um, and another night game for them. So this is September 16th. This game is going to be at 7 p.m. Central Time. It'll be on the Longhorn Network, though. And they face off in their very last non-con game of the year. And they face the Wyoming Cowboys. Matt, does, does Wyoming have a shot at walking into Austin after that long flight and taking a victory away from the Longhorns? Wyoming is a very good, very well-coached team. I just think coming off of the Alabama game, Texas is going to be playing at a different level than Wyoming. So Texas wins. So you've got two and one. I've got three and oh, and now we get down to the game of the century, Matt. (laughs) Maybe for the final time. Maybe for the final time. We don't know. When who knows what the college football landscape will look like in the future, but I believe Baylor's number two opponent of all time. Like I don't, I don't, I think they've played Texas the second most times behind only TCU. I want to say, um, I could be way off on that. And there might, and, and maybe A and M is up there or something. But we've played Texas a lot of times 
And we have, in fact, played Texas, and I'll confirm this. Um, I believe we've played played Texas now in three different centuries. Because I, I want to say the first time we played them was like 1899. So here we go. I'm, I'm on I'm on my good old friend, Winsipedia. Confirm that stat real quick. No, okay, I was wrong. The first time we played them was 1901. So we haven't played them in three three different centuries. Um, but we we have played them in two. since 1901, almost every year since 1901, Matt. Yeah, so the long running. It is, we have played the oh what lopsided. 112 times. That's probably pretty lopsided if you look at the record. 80, 28, and four. Uh, yeah. in in favor of Texas. Now it has been flip floppy. Uh, it's two and two in the last four years, in the last four meetings. In fact, in the last five meetings, the home team has won every single game. So we've won the last two in Waco. They've won the last, well, they've won the last more than three in Austin, but um, they've yeah. won the last five in Austin. Um, but, you know, it's it was 2018 in Austin, Texas win. 2019 in Waco, Baylor win. 2020 in Austin, Texas win. 2021 in Waco, Baylor win. And then 2022, last year, Texas win in Austin. Um, now, Baylor wasn't great last year, but hung with them. Um, but Texas definitely wasn't playing at the um, the height of of their ability. I think when they played Baylor last year, it was it was later in the season in November. Um, might have even been the last game of the year. I don't remember. But um, but I think there was like there was a bit of. Texas forgot that Bijan Robinson against uh, existed against us last year, and then it was it was kind of at the end of the game. They were like, "Oh yeah, we can just feed Bijan and just close this thing out." Um, also, also, it was like, uh, "Let's not let Quinn Ewers throw another pass." Yes, that was it. Like they completely took the ball out of his hands and said, "We've got two NFL caliber running backs in our backfield. <laughs> Let's hand it off to them." Yeah. Um. So, so this is one of those games where it's not blowout territory anymore. It used to be, but it's been a while since somebody really dominated this. Like, so 2017, they, they beat the hell out of us by 31, but I mean, man, it's, we've had some close games since 2010. It was, you know, um, you know, Baylor won 30 to 22, 2011 Baylor won 48 to 24. So that's a pretty big win for Baylor. Then Texas won 56 to 50. Then Baylor won two in a row, 30 to 10, 28 to seven. So that's, you know, that's kind of a big win there. And then it was, you know, Texas four in a row, but two, one of those was by one point. One of them was by two touchdowns. Another one was by six points. Um, you know, the last time Baylor beat them, it was by one touchdown in 2021, 31, 24 in Waco. So um, this is definitely advantage for Baylor um, having this game at home. But there's a lot of question marks for Baylor this year. Um, and we haven't really gone in depth and talked about Baylor football. We've kind of just picked Baylor to win every game um that we, yeah. we've had so far so matt i guess this is the grand question does texas pick up their first win in waco since 2017 or does baylor keep the home winning streak alive and end this series um with a win against texas well i think baylor's gonna approach this a lot like they did um oklahoma and send Texas off to the SEC with a loss. So you've got a big old Baylor Bear win. Yes. 
All right. So now you've got them sitting at three and one, and we're about to get into our very long string of picks we've already made, but I haven't made my pick yet. No, sir. I have them two and two. Yeah. I'm losing Alabama. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You just picked this one. Yep. That is correct. I wrote down a win for some reason right now. Okay. Um, I got to stick to my guns here, Matt. And I got to do what I've been doing since the beginning. And I have my reasons, people. I just do. Um, Texas is going to win this football game. They're going to go into Waco and they're going to win it. I've got 4 0 Texas. Add to Joe. Yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes we got to do things for the people we love and they don't know the reason yet. All right. All right, so you've got Texas sitting at 2 and 2. <laughs> the the world will be collapsing in Austin if they start the year 2 and 2, I think. Um I've got them 4 and 0. They'll be they'll probably be number 1 in the country if they're 4 and 0 at this point, especially with a win. Uh their two Power 5 wins both being on the road. That's a crazy start to the season, you know. You got four games and the two you know, apologies to Rice and Wyoming, but real football teams that you play are both on the road to start. Yeah. Um, now we've got a run of games until the final game of the season where we have picked every single one of them. Um, so I'm going to run through Matt next up. They have can't they, they leave Waco. They get to come back home. Short trip to Waco, only about 90 minutes or so. They come back home to DKR. They face off against the Kansas Jayhawks. And we both picked Texas to win that game. Yep. So you are now sitting three and two. I'm five and oh. Um, after that, we have now what is called the all state red river, red river rivalry, um, in the cotton bowl, as always up in Dallas, Texas, the kind of halfway point between Austin and Norman, they face off against the Oklahoma Sooners, Texas snagging a big time win last year against the Sooners. Do they win another one, Matt, or does, uh, or does Oklahoma take this home? We've actually already talked about this. I don't know why I asked you. We both picked, we both picked Texas to win, win the Red River this year. Yep. All right. So you are what now? I'll, do, we'll, we'll, I'll calculate them at the end. I don't feel like counting my dots and dashes. Okay. Anyway, uh, after, after they head to Dallas, um, they go on a road game that they have avoided playing for a very long time. This is another a, former, yeah, this is like another former Southwest Conference foe. Game University. of the century right here. What's that? Game of the century. It, was <laughs> it TDECU Stadium or whatever it's called? Yeah, TDECU Stadium. I can't remember what it's like. Texas Dow Employees Credit Union is what I think it stands for. Um, like Dow, the chemical company, if I'm not mistaken. It's um, very Houston on brand for Houston, though. I mean, the the chemical company is the but chemical not company. the credit union of the chemical <laughs> I, I think so. They, I think financial out, I institutions think. and chemical companies. Yeah, whatever you know. Uh, financial is it's a little Dallas, you know. We're we're medicine so. and oil here. Okay. Um. Anyway, head down to TDECU Stadium, where I am sure the stadium will be very, very much filled with orange in this game. Houston finally gets their home game against Texas that they've been wanting since the Southwest Conference went away. Um. Does. Uh, and again, we've already talked we've, about this. I don't know why the, I'm asking. You. I think we, picked we both the, picked Tech, we both picked Texas to win this game. We picked um, like I think the the rest of the games except for the last one. I think. No, you do have one. Okay, so I'll go through. I I, I have it all written down. So okay. after U of H, uh, back home to for BYU, and we both picked Texas to beat BYU. So one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got them sitting at six and two so after I, eight games. I have them going on a run after the Bayern yes. game. Yes, I've got them eight and zero. So there are four games remaining now, Matt. Next up, 
you know how insufferable eight and oh texas fans are yes oh I, dude, I know i know i was there in 2005 i remember <laughs> um so or i wasn't there i was in texas in 2005 i remember um so anyway uh next up though back home they face off against the defending big 12 champion kansas state wildcats in austin this is where you veered off a little bit, Matt. You took Kansas State to win this game. I took Texas to win. So now you've got them sitting at six and three with two conference losses, and I've got them at pure nine and zero. Oh. So where I've got them, they're they're a hundred. Unless Georgia will probably still be number one right. in the country, but Texas will be number two if they're nine and zero. Oh. I think Texas is going to be good. However, your scenario is just wild to me. This nine and zero is just wild. Matt, you don't blow out a candle and tell people what you're wishing for. Just let it let it be. Let it lie. All right. So I've got nine and oh, Texas. Next up, head back on the road, face off against the national and Big 12 runner up from the year before the other purple team in the conference, the TCU Horn Frogs. Matt, we both picked Texas to win this game on the road. And Amon G. Carter. Followed. Another road game. They got like, one, let's see, one, two, three, four. They got, man, they got a lot of road games this year. Five road games and a neutral site. Um, so that their, their last road game of the year, they head up November 18th. It's going to be cold up in Ames, Iowa at Jack Trice Stadium. This might be a frozen game uh, to face off against Iowa State. As much as I would love this to be one of those like classic late season Iowa State spoiler games, I'm going to take Texas to win be 11 and 0 at this point and matt you also took iowa state to win so you've got them sitting at eight and three on the year heading in to the final game of the season another late season game that we already have a tv time for it's going to be 6 30 p.m central time on abc so this is a big time nationally broadcast game depending on where these two teams sit in the year this may be college game day they it's in austin but they welcome in a team that beat them last year. The fighting Joey McGuire is out of Lubbock, Texas, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We haven't picked this game yet, Matt. No, so I would love haven't. to hear your thoughts. Does, does Tech make it two years in a row and knock off Sark in the last game of the year? Or does Texas avenge last year's loss, have some bulletin board material um, from all the Joey McGuire quotes? Yeah. About how I told you they would quit and they did and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. that That's what my mind went to is like, that was the everything runs through Lubbock. Well, yeah, and that Locker. wasn't even that wasn't even the worst. I think the worst of it was I told, I told you, you they, they would quit, quit push yeah. pressure. Yeah, no, I think yeah they absolutely will be like playing those clips all through Texas football facilities all week while they work out in the locker room. I mean, we talked about how Sark is a saving, you know. You know, comes off the Saban tree, coaching tree. That was a totally a Saban move to play those games over and over again to remind the players, this is what you did last year. This is what they think of you. And so I think that's going to be the same case with Texas, and they're going to get revenge on Texas Tech to finish off the year. With Matt, a win. you officially closed the book on the Texas season, having your childhood team leaving the Big 12 with a nine and three record with a seven and two conference record, probably enough to get them to Arlington. I would guess. Should be. I would think so. Okay. I am going I mean, to in the big 12, you. what they have, I have I'm, them have I'm, what one loss in the big 12. 
No. Yeah, two no, you have them too. You gave them to Baylor and Kansas State. Yeah. Um. So I mean, that's I'm like, going to agree with you on the Tech game. And seven and two in conference. That's that you're going to the championship game. Yeah, likely. Yes, unless in that in this scenario, Baylor and Kansas State have crazy years. Um. But I'm going to agree with you on the Tech game, and I'm going to pick Texas to win it, which means Matt. I am on the podcast right now. Tar and feather me. I'm selecting the Texas Longhorns, the burnt orange faithful out of Austin, Texas, the king of the t-shirt fans in this state to go 12 and 0 in the year 2023 so, in the year of our Lord. I know what you're doing. I think I figured out your scheme. I don't have a scheme. I'm picking them to go 12 and 0, Matt. And I think, I think you're right. I think Texas Maybe you got the them best. at a hearty, a hearty nine and three. They won't be happy with nine yeah. and three. They'll be happier. That's with improvement, nine and three, but it's still not going to be good enough for them. That's improvement. They won eight. They were eight and five last year. Yeah, but they don't want improvement. They want trophies. They and have think, a chance. I think they they they're going to still... walk into Arlington with an unblemished record. I don't know how they walk out of Arlington, but they're going. They're going twelve and zero. You guys heard it from me first. I'm picking Texas undefeated regular season right now. I just did it. They're crazy good. Texas is winning. All right. I think that's going to be the name. The title of this podcast is 12 and 0 Texas Longhorns. L- Longhorn Joe. Yeah. All right. I have them nine and three. Very, very good season for them. They haven't won nine games in the Big 12 since like 2009, probably. So great year for them. You have them going 12 and 0, as we've established. And, uh, you know, beating Georgia in the championship game. That's great. Who have we not talked about at this point? I guess it's what, just Baylor, West Virginia, and Tech? Baylor, West Virginia, and Tech. And we've probably talked about, except for maybe some non-con games, every Big 12 game by the time we get to them. The the only one is like... By the time we get to Baylor, we will have picked their entire schedule. Yeah, well, only ones we haven't picked when we go to Baylor would be the uh, non-conference games. Let me see. Well, no, we haven't picked. Well, we will have, but as of so far, we have not the Baylor game against Texas Tech. We haven't picked and the game against West Virginia. We haven't picked. So, yeah. And they're on the schedule. They're the next two teams on the schedule. So, yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, they're the last team. So we were, of course, going to have picked every because we will have talked about everyone else. Yeah, because Baylor's last. So I think what we'll do is West Virginia next week and they will end off strong with Texas Tech and Baylor in consecutive weeks. Yeah. And then we'll have football, man. And then it'll be football season. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll be fucking football season. All right. So, normally at this time, you know, we talked about sports, you know, we got the sports stuff out of the way. And we will go in and we talk about things we're watching, things that interest us. Um, However, there are some like, there's some things happening in the entertainment industry, right, Joe? There are. There are things happening. In the entertainment industry, as there normally are, but there's out of the ordinary things happening right now. Yeah, we have the writer strikes been going on for a while, like over a month, I think. And then more recently, the the SAG or the Actors Guild they uh, they decided to join SAG AFTRA. I think is yes, the name. SAG AFTRA. They they joined them, the writers, uh, striking for the uh, studios. So. So yeah, so basically any production that's going on right now is effectively shut down. Like Deadpool 3 that's filming 
was filming. Um, I mean, it's already written, but the actors aren't working. Um, I think even like the Oppenheimer actors, they were out promoting the the film, going to premieres and things of that nature. And whenever SAG after voted to strike, they they left. Yeah, they they straight up stopped promoting the film. Yep. And so they're they're not promoting the film. They're not going on talk shows. They're just anything that's work, which that's work for them. You know, promoting film is part of their job. They're not doing. I think the only studio that is working right now is A24 because they agreed to all of the the terms. They, the, yeah, they have agreed to every single term that both unions wanted. So, which is basically, I've I've looked over some of the like requests, and basically it's like designated meal time. It's like things that you think should absolutely be a worker should get, and for some reason studios. Don't want to do it. They don't want to pay them fair wage for their work, and they they're edging closer and closer. Like you, we talked about earlier before this about having artificial intelligence kind of do the job of writers, and they don't want that, which I understand. And we talked about it before. Like some of the best, we've everything we've covered, Star Wars stuff, the things with great dialogue. I'll go back to like Andor. That speech that um, Stellan Skarsgård gives in Andor, that's that's just great writing. And you get that speech from great writing. And yeah, I think you get, AI can't I think do that. Great writing comes out of, like, emotion a lot of the time. Like, I, I my favorite musical artist that I listen to probably more than anybody else is Jason Isbell. And, you know, he's got his own little cult of personality on Twitter, you know, that... Um, and his own kind of political leanings and everything, but I adore his music, man. And he's he he has a thing where he doesn't he doesn't do covers. He only plays music that he writes. And the reason I love him so much is because like a lot of his songs just like really really like I feel them. Like I I don't even relate to a lot of them. And, yeah, you know. But there's just like something about like the passion that he puts in behind his music, and I think you yes. can you can feel that when it's like an artist that's like that compared to an artist that has, that's just like, Hey, I'm a really, I have a good voice. Somebody else writes everything for me. Um, there are of course like people that are really good at that, but it, there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect, you know, like there's the Swifties of the world. I believe like Taylor Swift writes most of her music, right? So Taylor writes most of her music. Yes. Yeah. So like, and, and you see like how big that is for her, you know, people like they're, they're tied to the emotional appeal that she puts out through her music. Um, and I think that's like the same thing. Like we, you and I have talked about at length about how like the wire is one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Well, like that, that was written by guys who were like writers in Baltimore at the time, like for the newspaper or, Ooh. you know, covered police in, yeah. in Baltimore. Like, so like there was like personal experience and there was like personal yes. and emotional ties to is. that that really comes through in that show. You know, like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting and, you know, they exp- they walked those streets in Boston and Cambridge and they they knew those people and they wrote the story based off of their own experiences growing up in that part of the country. You know, I, I think- look at something like Lord of the Rings, which I think we'll talk about a little bit in this segment, um, whereas like there had been multiple adaptations of Lord of the Rings in media since the book was written by Tolkien you know, 100 years ago. Um but it it wasn't until somebody that like actually had a passion and a love and like this 
true connection to the literary work that was Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson, that somebody was able to like give it the care that it deserved to put it on the big screen and actually do it the right way. Um, so even when it comes to adaptations of things, I, th- I feel like you need you need that. You know, you, you just look at uh, what we talk about with Star Wars when when Dave Filoni does things. It's almost always successful and it's almost always good because there's a passion for the source material that he has there. Yes. Absolutely. And talk about Jason Isbell. Like I'm, I've really gotten into like, um, Zach Bryan music. And it's kind of the same thing. Like he's a songwriter. Right. And you feel like the feel his music and same way with our, like the, the shows that we watch, like the things we care most about, like we feel those performances and like whenever I watch The Last of Us and I feel the loss of his daughter, spoilers for The Last of Us. And I feel that being, and that can't being be done. a parent. I, I, maybe someday it can, but I just don't think right now it can be done through a machine. And part of this too, not just for the writers, but we're talking about the actors in this, where like the actors are saying they don't want to, they don't want to act out stuff that's written by it. And one of the other terms, I, I will admit, I haven't, I never went and did the further research that it would have taken to confirm if this is true, but I saw, I saw this on Twitter. So who knows? Call me out if I'm wrong on this. But apparently one of the things that, um, one of the studios was trying to do that really pushed SAG Afra over the, over the edge was they were talking about basically if you were an extra. So you're, you're a working actor. You're not Tom Cruise, right? You're not out here getting paid millions of dollars to act, but you, you know, you're out there and you're doing, you're trying to make it. You're trying to keep a roof over your head. So you, you go to every casting call that you can get. And sometimes you get paid 50 bucks for your day or something. Um, what they were talking about doing was like, say you come out for like one of those days, they record you and the contract that you would be signing would basically be like, Hey, we own your likeness now and we can just recreate it through AI and use it without paying you anytime we want. You know, and just think about like, think about, you know, the performances out there. Like, think, just think about like half the things that Christian Bale has done, you know, from like the machinist to like, uh, the fighter, you know, some of these like, really intense roles that like he's played like imagine trying to recreate that through an ai version of him it's just the art wouldn't be the same no absolutely not and all this long preamble of us talking about this leads to normally we would talk about whatever we're watching and i will always be for the worker 100 percent. yes and so I not that I we are like movie reviewers or we have any kind of like following on that front, but it's more of like just in solidarity with the worker. I just don't feel comfortable talking about striking studios work they're putting out things that I, yeah. I'm going to watch. Not not saying we're going to boycott it. We're just not going to talk about it on here. Yeah. And and to be fair. And when you and I talked about this segment before we before we did the show today, um, you know, we talked about how like they have explicitly said they're not calling for a consumer boycott. So if if you're wondering, like, no, they're not saying don't go out and watch stuff. Go see Oppenheimer. Yeah. Go see Barbie. You know, go have fun. Go see whatever. We've, if you want to go see what the Haunted Mansion's out right now too. If you want to go see yeah. Indiana Jones, any, any, go see them. Anything. Absolutely, go see. I would them. say absolutely but, go see them. Um, they're not calling for that right now. They're just calling for people to be supportive. Don't cross picket lines. And there are a couple of charities that you can go, go look up out there that are supporting the guys that aren't the millionaires that are out there. Um, 
which is, yeah. I think, Matt, is a common misconception. I mentioned Lord of the Rings yes. earlier. Like, I, I, I pulled up the stats because we were talking about it before we started recording. But, like, uh, I think there's this perception that people make that people are just, like, super uber rich um, just because they're an actor or have been maybe in a in a major film. And I know that's not the case just personally because in a former life, I used to work at a lot of – I used to work not a lot, but I worked a handful of Comic-Cons in, in, a, in a job that I had. And I would physically be there for these, like supporting them. Um, and I would run into known commodity actors. Like these are people that when you hear their name or see their face, the average person knows who they are. They are famous. They they fit into the definition of being famous. But they're there taking pictures and signing off autographs for 20 to 50 bucks a pop. Yeah. And it's like that's not something a millionaire does. So it just yeah. reminds me of like I was listening to a podcast on Lord of the Rings and it was, I want to say it's the one that uh, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but the guys that play Mary and Pippin, they have a great little podcast. And um, they were, I think Sean Astin was on it once and he was talking about um, how actually whether or not he was going to film the movie was a big decision for him because he had to go to New Zealand for a year and a half. He had to leave his family for a year and a half, go halfway across the world because they filmed all three movies at the same time. They just released them in, in a trilogy, but they filmed them. It was like 450 days or something that it took to film these things. So a year and a half to do it. How much do you think Sean Astin, one of the one of the leads in the film, like the second lead, the second most important Hobbit in a story about Hobbits, how much do you think Sean Astin made? For all three movies. For all three movies. And I I'll mean, tell you, Lord of the Rings made $900 million at the box office. So I said he made, like, let's say for three films, I would say, like, say $10 million. $10 million is your assumption. Sean Astin, Samwise Gamgee, a guy that was, that has, was Rudy, like, again, a known the commodity Goonies. actor. He in the Goonies as, he's a child actor. He's been acting all yeah. his life. $250,000. For all three movies for a year and a half of work. Now that's so, more than the average person makes doing a normal job. But I do know Sean Astin year and a half. has several children and yes, I'm sure a house, a mortgage bills that have to still be paid like 250 grand for a year and a half of work. I would take that. But the dude, like it wasn't easy work. You're talking about getting up early, filming late, walking a lot. <laughs> but there's the also the people, parents. the people you see on a show and you know, it's always like, He's that guy from that thing. You see him on a bunch of different shows. Those guys, they're they're maybe make like five thousand dollars for a guest spot on TV, but yeah. that they won't work was, again for six months. Um, you know, uh, I I don't know the actor's name, but the the guy that plays Abed from Community. Yes. Okay. There's a great scene of him on the Larry King show. He's being interviewed yes, by Larry. I know King. what you're talking about. I've seen and this. and Larry King asks him like, uh, he's like, so like. What is like, what's a, what's a luxury that you really like or something? And he answers socks. He likes a nice pair of socks. And Larry King's like, what kind of answer is that? Like no fancy cars or anything. And he's like, Larry, I, ju I I'm in ducktails. What do you, how much money do you think I make? But it's always stuck out to me that like a guy like Sean Astin, he made 250 grand. Now I'm going to, here's another one from Lord of the Rings that'll blow you away. I want you to guess on this one. The next one is Legolas himself, Orlando Bloom. Now, he wasn't a known actor in Lord of the Rings, but he's since become one of the he became for a while one of the biggest actors in the world. He made over 40 million dollars doing Pirates of the Caribbean. How much do you think he made for the three movies 
that netted a billion dollars almost at the box office. How much do you think he made playing Legolas? So I'm going to go with. You kind of set the precedent with Sean Astin. Legolas, Sean Astin was 250. Yep. Legolas was an important character. I wouldn't really call him one of the main. Definitely char- fewer lines. Definitely fewer main lines. characters. Um, so I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with like. 225. 225. Okay. You're, you're, you're not way off like you were with Sean Astin. No, he made $175,000 for Lord of the Rings. Well, my thinking is like with Sean Astin has like three films. You probably made like, in my mind, it's like he probably made like a couple million for those because it's Sean, in my mind, Sean Astin. I'm, you know, I'm sitting here in Waco, Texas. I know who Sean Astin is. Uh, so that's a very low number. They had, did they get like, I wonder if they got, because some people get like points on the box office. So maybe they get money on the back end. But yeah, that is a lot of work and a lot of time for relatively a lower wage than what you would expect. Considering, like you said, the film made hundreds of millions of dollars, almost a billion dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's uh, or all know. three films. I mean, they've they've grossed a a fortune. So it's um, one thing I found out during this whole thing was like they a lot of these writers and actors they they live off of like residuals, right? They get small checks every time it's like a rerun or something like that. Yes. Now, and, some of them, though, like the, the residuals yeah. were like a penny. Yeah, some of them were like very low. It costs more money to send the check than it, the check's worth. But that's whenever like I was growing up and maybe a little, little bit when you were growing up as well. is like you'd see a lot of things on reruns, like Friends is always on reruns or whatever the case may be. But now with the with the emergence of like streaming, there's no reruns. Yes, you can watch it anytime you want. But they're not getting a residual based on that work. They just get whatever they get they get paid. And they have to make so much money to, to keep health insurance. And some of these, without residuals, they're not reaching that threshold. And it's like $26,000 to be able to keep your health insurance for your family and yourself. And they're not reaching that threshold because they're not getting those same residual checks that they had in the past. And so that's kind of what they're fighting for. They they just want to be able to have health insurance and feed their families and provide. And you know what? It's okay if it's beyond that. Like, I hate it when I hear people like, oh, they make this. Like, you know what? It's, it's fine. Know your worth. Uh, one of the, I, am, we, I am a big proponent of, of keeping the minimum wage high. I, I, you, you don't have to agree with me on that. That's fine. I agree to disagree. But the whenever I've had arguments with people over like minimum wage, for example, I, you know, one of the things I've heard is like, well, I I have X qualifications and I make this much money, and that like I don't think that somebody that doesn't have the qualifications that I have should catch up to me, kind of kind of thing. Like I think there should be a a healthy separation of the skill that's required to do the different types of labor that exists. I'm fine with that point of view. You you might 100% be right, but. Don't let somebody else wanting to make more money devalue you. Know what your labor is worth and ask for more money as well. Like that's the way I've always looked at it. Like it's like if you think people at McDonald's shouldn't make close to what you make because you're you have more skill than they do, then 
you need to fight for yourself to make more money too. <laughs> um, so like I, I'll never have an issue with somebody sitting there saying, you know, hey, I am an actor. I have been a part of movies that make these larger conglomerate studios tons of money. And I think it's just the right thing to do for you to compensate me at a fair level for that. And so I, I will support both the actors and the writers in that, um, in that mold. Yes, I agree. So for the time being, we're going to abstain from kind of talking about what we're watching. But Oppenheimer's really good. Go see it. Yeah. And I'm going to go see it because I've heard great things about it. Um, but anyway, do you got anything else, Joe? Any other any other sports takes? I mean, I know like NFL training camps are opening like tomorrow, you know, so we're, it's football season's like just about here. Man, I'm excited about some Texans football, but I'm not I'm not I'm not diving in deep enough to allow myself to get hurt this year. It's just like hopeful optimism. Um, okay. And then I, I, my, my boys at McLaren, man, I'm a big F1 boy. If y'all didn't know that about me and I'm a big McLaren fan, He's a big F boy. Yep. Got that. Uh, when I, yeah. <laughs> um, when I've, I am, I am not a tribe to survive fan that it's strange being an American that has only recently gotten into the sport in the last couple of years. I actually found F1 fandom because I had a baby and I was often up at six o'clock in the morning on weekends with nothing to watch. And so it would be on ESPN. So I started watching racing. And then I had a couple of people that I followed on Twitter, like Brad Brown and Mr. Jeffries, um, Dex Hitton. He was like big into Mercedes there for a little while. But like Brad and Paul were really into McLaren and Lando. So I started rooting for McLaren. So that was back in 2021. I started watching in that season. Um, and then I watched Drive to Survive after I had already watched the year. So that was really cool for me. Um, anyway, so I'm a McLaren boy and my McLaren dudes back to back second places. So first time they've had back to back podiums since 2012, been a good couple of weeks for me in F1 racing. See, I'm, I'm all, I'm locked in. I'm in football mode already. So like I try to catch like some CFL. That's kind of like some like Canadian football. Oh, dude, the, my weekends are so awesome in the fall because F1 runs through like November. All right. So um they go from like april to november kind of thing and so on weekends in the fall i will have a wake up on saturday if i'm not going to waco to cover a game i will you know i'll watch college football with my son most of the day definitely get the baylor game in depending on what we got and sunday morning i wake up i've got racing that i watch in the morning and then generally right after the race is done it's like ready to start watching nfl games so totally totally recommend getting into f1 all right, let me check it out. My thing is like everyone was talking about F one, so I was like, didn't want to be. No, I feel like everybody didn't talk about it as much. Um, on my Twitter feed, they did. Oh, okay. I got like inundated on the weekend. I'm just like, not on Twitter. People talking about stuff, and I'll be like, I don't know what's going on. What is this reference? Here's the other. Th- you know what the other really cool thing about F one is for me is that my wife is not a huge sports fan. You know, she's like, OK, like she went to tech. If tech is good, she's like, oh, cool. Tech is good. I will pay attention maybe. And then if Houston teams are good, she's like, OK, cool. That's awesome. I'm glad they're good. She enjoys going to sporting events, but she's not an avid sports watcher by any means. It's just not her thing. Um, she's very like movie, movie, movie centric. That's like that's her thing. And um, when I started watching F1, 
she would also be up early in the mornings for me. And so one day she was just like, why did you start watching this? And I was like, I don't know, because it's something to do. Like, we got a baby. He's just chilling. Like, I'll watch it while I watch him. And she was like, okay, I'll watch it with you. So now she's super into F1. And so it's one of those things where I guess I don't need to go to Twitter to talk about it because it's like a thing that my wife and I have sporting wise, where like, she's a big Ferrari fan now. Like, that's who she roots for. I root for McLaren. And then, you know, we both, like she'll come to me, uh, she'll get home from work and she'll be like, did you see what so-and-so posted on Instagram from, you know, Aston Martin? And I'm like, no, what? show me. Um, so that, it, that it's like, that's one of the cool things. So I don't need Twitter for it. All I heard was my wife's not a big sports fan. She went to tech and <laughs> that's all I need to know. <laughs> all right. Well, when they were in the national championship game um, in basketball a couple of years ago, uh, she was like, getting ready for bed and i was like you can't go to bed you're about to like your team's in the national title game and she was like she was like she literally i think said we always lose these kind of games so i'm going to bed if 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 it's the end of the game and we're winning wake me up and i'll come watch and so sure enough it was the end of the game if you remember that one i went to overtime super tight yeah i went and woke her up and i was like you guys like you might actually win the national title and she came out and watched the last couple minutes of the game. And like I, I woke her up to come watch it. So she was like half asleep. And after tech loss, she just like looked at me and was just like, I told you, why did you wake me up for this? <laughs> she just went back to bed. <laughs> all right, Joe. But she can tell you all about like the Graham Harrell years. She was into football when she was there. So. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm. Sh- the Graham Harrell years, those were uh, prime, like, leech years, right? Yeah, that that's the best. That's the golden era of technical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Had uh, Patrick Mahomes, couldn't do a lot with him, so. Yeah. I'm to glad fair, she has didn't do a lot Graham with Harrell. Them. Their defense didn't do a lot with them. <laughs> okay. They fair. did score a lot of points. <laughs> fair. It's a fair point. All right, Joe, where can people find you if they want to uh, interact with you? You can find me on X or Twitter or whatever it's called next week. Whenever you listen to this, I don't know. Who knows what the damn thing will be called. You can find me there at the Joe. Is it still called Twitter? Um, On my phone, it is. On my computer. But I mean, like, even if it's X. Well, it says, like, on my desktop right now, it's got the X logo. And it says Twitter. He just changed the logo, but they didn't change the name of the company. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Who knows? Who knows? Why? I don't know why people do anything. So <laughs> anyway, I interrupted you. Please give your handle yeah. again. At the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, you can also find the podcast at thebeardinpod.com. Matt, where can the people find you? Um, and where can they find the pod on Twitter or X so, or whatever it's called? So you can find me at Matt underscore Workman. You can find me also on threads at Matt D. Workman and you find the podcast on Twitter or X or Twitter or whatever it's called at the Baird in Pod. And also, if you want to reach out with, to us, have any questions, comments, concerns, you can also reach us via the electronic mail at hosts at the Baird in Pod.com. Hosts at the Baird in Pod.com. That's right. I have notifications for that email working now, so you can yes, actually use it. <laughs> we are getting emails, so it does work. So, all right, Joe. 
Till next week, where we'll be talking about uh, West Virginia. Let's do West Virginia next week. Neil Brown and West Virginia. And We're both very, very high on West Virginia. Oh, yeah. On, I, think my, I might have them undefeated as well. It's going to be undefeated West Virginia versus undefeated Texas. Oh, it's like the... It's like the op- you're gonna have them. It's like gonna be the opposite of what we just did with Texas or what you just did with Texas. Because <laughs> we have picked a lot of those games as well. And yes, we have. They have, and it's, it's not looking good for you, Neil. Spoiler alert: not looking good. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.